Father, we come before you right now as your people, holy, chosen, set apart. We're just your kids. Father, we need you. We are desperate for you. Holy Spirit, fill this room, fill our hearts, fill our minds. Have your way with us, Holy Spirit. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. Use me. Use me this morning. Holy Spirit, have your way. And all God's people said, amen. You may take your seats. Well, good morning, everybody. You made it through time change. I'm sorry, some of you did not. Your bodies are here, but your minds are still waking up. My name is John. I have the privilege and honor to lead this incredible ministry. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm a troublemaker here. Uh, most days that's good trouble. If you, uh, you know good trouble, I try to keep good trouble in good company. If this is uh, your first time hanging out with us, um, let me be one of the first ones to just say welcome home. Really, welcome home. I'm glad you, you got here it, it, on Time Change Sunday. You know, like something spurred you and pulled you and got you out of bed to, to come to a church. If that's you and this is your first time here, man, uh, welcome. You, you really, you are welcome here. I know like every church would say that, right? Like everyone is welcome here. Right. Well, I just want to like if you feel like I don't know if you would like, you know, welcome me. Uh, man, I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to put that to the test because I truly, I mean it when I say all are welcome here. Regardless of whatever your hurt or your hang up or your habit may be, regardless of uh, like what you did last summer or last year or last week or last night for some of you, like whatever it is that you may be wrestling with because we're all wrestling with something, right? Yeah, we're all wrestling. See, I like it how uh, there, there's, a, there's a young lady up front, uh, and she, she was one of the first ones to say amen. See, because she's got some years in her life. She's got some wisdom in her hair. And uh, it's fun that those who have more wisdom in their hair, um, they know a thing or two because they've seen a thing or two. And so they're the first ones to say amen. <laughs> we all got stuff that we wrestle through. Right? Uh, the way God says this is that we all fall short of God's glorious standard. That's what he says. He says we all fall short. Uh, God's word says we all have sinned. We all have some area in our life where there is darkness, where we rebel against God. Every single one of us. So, like, let's just, like, as, as, as one kind of community, let's just not act like any one of us is better than anybody else. Right? Can we do that? Like, turn to the person on your left and say, you got stuff. Some of y'all enjoyed that too much. Turn to the person on your right and say, so do you. <laughs> Some of y'all don't know your right from your left. That's fine. Listen, like regardless of what your stuff uh, that you may be dealing with, I want you to know that Jesus gave his life for you. He ransomed your life by shedding his blood on a cross for you to take the penalty of sin, to take the penalty of death 
and he took it all within himself. Your sin, my sin, your stuff, my stuff, all of it, so that we might be seen right in the eyes of God, so that we could be reconciled in our relationship back with the Father and then invited into a new life, a new life of kingdom mission to bring heaven to earth, to to love God and love ourselves and love our neighbors with everything we got, amen? To bring hope to a weary world, to bring hope to our own hearts, to bring hope to the world around us. Friends, welcome home. Say that with me, welcome home. Somebody needs to hear that today because they have been homeless for a long time. And they're desperate to find a home, a community, a family of faith. Uh, Last week, I don't know if you missed it or not, but last week it was beautiful. We had a family dedication. There was like 11 families that dedicated their kids to the Lord. Amen, right? That's a praise God. Four people decided to, to come home and they were baptized last week. Like an incredible, rea- yeah, woohoo. The word says that whenever somebody comes back to the Father who has been lost, all of heaven rejoices. Can we all of heaven rejoice right now? Just say praise God. Man, it was beautiful. At our 11 a.m. service, like one, one of the moms who was dedicating like her family, her kids, right? She was like, this is cool, but I'm getting baptized too. And the mom got baptized too. Like it was just a beautiful moment. So many incredible life transformation stories month after month. And like, listen, um, this is what we're all about, life transformation in the name of Jesus Christ. We're going to talk a little bit about this today, but friends, um, There's a lot of things you can invest your time and energy and money into, but when you invest into this ministry, you're investing into kingdom transformation of lives and communities. And I'm so grateful for the the number of you that just say, hey, I'm in. I'm in the giving community. Thank you for leading the way. If you haven't yet joined that giving community, there's lots of ways you can do that. I invite you to do that today. There is no greater return than on a kingdom investment. These past few weeks, we have been navigating conversations with Jesus. Just going to take the whole year and say, Jesus, what, what do you say about this? Just having conversations with Jesus. And in and, and the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about what's it mean to live a generous life, kind of like our whole lives, right? Like a life uh, of fullness and abundance that only Jesus offers. And so candidly, we've been asking some questions of, you know, like, you know, what does Jesus ask of us? And, and like, you know, frankly, is Jesus worth it? Can, can, can we just be honest? Like, like, is it really worth it? Is he worth it? Is he worth it all? I don't know. I mean, I have an opinion on that. What would you say? Is he worth it all? The early uh, followers of Jesus, the early disciples, that they believed Jesus was worth it all, even though, and we don't maybe think about this a lot, even though at the time when the early followers of Jesus, right, and antiquity, like following Jesus was an equivalent to a death sentence. And they thought he was worth it, right? At the time that the early disciples are following Jesus and choosing to like to form these families of faith, 
all throughout little pockets all throughout the Roman Empire, this network of homes and hubs of ministry huddled together in the midst of a Roman Empire and Jewish religious leaders that were hunting down and killing followers of the way, followers of Jesus, anybody who claimed that Jesus was their king. And that was a no-no. To Rome, there was only one king. Who was that? Caesar, right? There's no king but Caesar. And if you served any other king, if you worshiped any other king, if you were found out to be worshiping any other king, that would lead to death. Most gruesomely under, under uh, the emperor Nero, like if you, if you wouldn't renounce Jesus as your king, well, for fun, for giggles, they would impale you on like a hundred foot, you know, uh, like spear and light you on fire as entertainment for their dinner parties. We have string lights out on the patio, right, for a little evening glow. Nero would round up Christians and impale them and light them on fire. Now, that's great. That's Rome. But what about, like, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of Jesus' day, the Sadducees? Well, well, they believed there was only one Messiah, and Jesus wasn't it. That's what they thought. Jesus is not the Messiah. So anybody who claimed Jesus was the Messiah, well, that was a death sentence. They would find these people, and they would pull them out in the street, and most often that would mean they're going to lead to being stoned to death. That sounds fun. What a fun Sunday morning conversation, John. This is so nice. Thanks for that. <laughs> Think about that, being dragged into the street, grabbing like parasite stones and one after another, just being hit until you died. What is crazy, like, is that the early disciples of Jesus, even in the midst of that They said, he's worth it all. They risked so much. So, so think about that. This, this Jesus guy, he must have been more than just a good teacher, a good rabbi, or a good prophet. He must have been more than that for them to give everything to. Right? That's part of the witness. That's part of the testimony. That he must have been, for them to like just say, yeah, I'll die for that. I'll give everything to that. Friends, in 2023, what do we give everything to? Well, let's, let's, let's just go there, all right? We'll, we'll, we'll slowly wade into those waters, gently, lovingly, shepherdly. Let's wade into the waters of what do we give to? Like, think about it. Just We want to be uh, followers of Jesus like the early followers of Jesus. We want to do Jesus things in Jesus' ways, right? So, so they gave everything. What do we give to? Like, when it comes to our resources, our time, our abilities, our, our money, like, what do we give to? What do we spend our time on? Do I have any Uber drivers in the house? Any Uber drivers? Official or unofficial Uber drivers? And, and it, like, some of y'all feel me. My goodness, listen. Being a parent of a tween and a teenager, like, I didn't know that my new job was an Uber driver. Like, I don't like it. I don't like it. 
Like, I'm like, uh-uh. Like, I'm having this conversation with God. Like, I don't like this, God. Like, I didn't sign up for this. I, I, like, I don't know. Like, seriously, I'm not okay with how much money and time and resources go to me being an Uber driver for, like, clients that don't pay or tip. There's something wrong with that. I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't like it. Uber driver. That's what I give a lot of my energy to, a lot of my time. Gas, the price it is, that's a lot of my money. What, 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 where do we give? What, what do we give ourselves to, our stuff to? Like, just, just for a moment, let's just, let's just kind of go there in this conversation, like, like, as Americans. Like, what do we give our money to? Well, I'm glad you asked. According to the U.S. Uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics, the average American, okay, the average American. Some of you may be like, I, I don't spend that. It's average, okay? You probably spend more. The average American spends 33% on housing, 16% on transportation, lots of Uber drivers, 13% of their resources on food. Some of y'all, you know that number's higher. <laughs> 11% on personal insurance and pension, 8% on health care, 5% on entertainment, 3% on apparel. That's a lie. I know that's a lie. I've seen some of y'all's shoes, okay? I know, like, listen, I got my shoes at Meyer. okay? I got no shame in my game. Listen, uh, 3% on apparel, 2.5% on education. I don't know wh who that is because we're still paying Sally Mae, like... <laughs> Uh, the average, now the average American uh, spends two to three, somewhere in between two to three percent on charitable giving. All right. Two to three percent on charitable giving. So um, now what do you think, uh, do you think that that charitable giving number uh, between Christians in America is higher or lower than the average American? Higher or lower? Higher, lower, higher, lower, higher, lower, lower, higher. It's the same. 2.5% in 2022. 2.5% Christians in America, of their income, they gave 2.5% to their church. That's interesting, right? And, and, and some folks may think like, well, man, times is tough. Yeah, I, I know, times are tough. During the Great Depression, American Christians gave 3.3%. During the Great Depression, times are tough. People are getting impaled and put on a stick and set on fire. Times are tough. Times. The data is just fascinating, right? The story of followers of Jesus is fascinating. How countercultural they are. They were and they will be. When following Jesus cost them the most, the early Christians gave the most. I want to change this next trend, and I think you will join me. When following Jesus cost us the least, because none of us are being drugged into the street in America and shot for our faith. In other countries, right now they are. But in America, when following Jesus cost us the least, the modern Christian gives the least. We, we can change that. We can adjust that trend. And, and, and I'm trying to wrestle through a lot of this, like just really, like in our own household, we're asking this question, like why is that? 
and we don't have all the answers. <laughs> but we're wrestling through that. Like, why is that? And, and for us, it's like it's coming down to this, like, I wonder if it all comes down to, like, you know, what Jesus says, that it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. Like, I wonder if, like, some of these things, like, why things are so out of sorts, if it's because our hearts, they're in the wrong place, they aren't in it. You know that phrase, like, our heart's not in it? Like, you know, like, when your heart is in something, like, it gets, like, all of your attention, right? Like, all your energy, all your money, like, all, all your stuff, all your focus. Like, talk to me, parents, right? Like, if you're a parent, like, take all the data and throw it out the window, right? There's, like, there, when it comes to your checking account, there's two things. Housing and everything else goes to the dang kids, right? It's just, like, mind-boggling. Because you love them, right? Your heart is in them, right? Your heart is in them. Some of you are like, I ain't giving my kids nothing after today. <laughs> Pastor said, I need to reorient some things. You getting grits, and that's it. Where else do we put our hearts? You know, we put our hearts into some things. Like, our heart's all in it, right? Uh, grandkids, our hearts are all in it. You know, we're in our grandkids, right? Uh, maybe, maybe there's some places that you like to go to or teams that we like to support that our hearts are all in it, right? I won't, I won't say it, but let's, whatever your team may be, lots of money goes to it in all the different ways. Well, where else do we put our hearts? Like some, like some of y'all, there is a mouse that has a kingdom, and he's got your heart. <laughs> he's got your heart and all your checking account. <laughs> Like, there, there's a, some of y'all, uh, there's, a, there's a brown liquid that, like, man, y'all spend a lot of time, energy, resources, money in, in, in consuming, I mean, collecting that brown liquid that, you know. I don't know what other area of the country that you can just be like, you get into the airport and the first thing you see is bourbon tastings. I'm like, where am I, Boone County? Like, where else do we put our hearts? Maybe your pets. Travel sports. <laughs> gaming. Golf. Shoe addictions. Travel, Target, Amazon. Like, like, like what matters most to you? I know we'd all say like, oh my, and you'd probably say a person that you love or since you're in church, you'd probably say, Jesus. But follow the money and see where it goes. Yee, that's so nasty to say out loud, right? But man, I'm just, this is Jesus' words, right? He says that wherever your heart is, that's where your treasure's going to be. See, where we spend our money, where we, where, where we invest, that will reveal what actually matters most. Ma Matthew 6, 19, these are Jesus' words, uh, not mine. He's, he's so much better and wiser. Jesus' word says this. It says, hey, don't store up your treasures uh, on earth. You know where moths and vermin can destroy them and where thieves will, will break in and steal. He says, but instead store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. 
we're moths and vermin. They can't destroy, you know, they can't get in there. And thieves, they can't break in and steal. And then he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And, and then he goes on to this obscure verse, uh, verse 22. And he says, the eye is the lamp to the body. And, and I've, I've seen some pastors, or maybe even you when you're reading the Bible, you kind of jump over this text because you feel like it like, shouldn't be there. Like, in, as you're reading it, we'll keep it in here. It's really important. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye, and we're not talking about your actual eye. This is your mind's eye. If your mind's eye is healthy, and the Greek for healthy here means a singularly focused, generously focused to one thing. If your mind's eye is healthy, is generous, singularly focused, your whole body will then be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, and the Greek here for that is stingy or envious, your whole body will be full of darkness. Some of y'all were like full of something else. You're in church. You shouldn't think that. Full, Full of darkness And then he says something, man, like, if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And then he he says something really powerful. Jesus says, um, no one can serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then he says, you cannot serve both God and money. Now, uh, some of you, uh, you're like Bible scholars, and and we've got like a former president of a Christian university in the house and theologians and all this stuff. Like, like you know better than me that like the word here for money um, is what? There's a word here, and, and if you're like a KJV reader, you'd say mammon. Well, the original language was not KJV, okay, just so we're all clear, all right? Uh, King James, uh, by the way. Like the original language, uh, it doesn't read, uh, Jesus wouldn't have said, you cannot serve both uh, Yahweh and money. He would have said, uh, Yahweh and Mamona. Everybody say Mamona. Mamona. Not Moana. <laughs> I had a, uh, my, our daughter was just in the show, Moana. So every time I was writing Mamona, I kept going Moana in my head. See, in the, in the original language, it, it, you got to go even before the Greek because Jesus didn't speak Greek. He spoke Aramaic. And so in Aramaic, this ancient language that Jesus would have been sharing and talking, like I'm talking to you right now, like we would say this is like American English that I'm speaking with a little bit of slang and maybe some words that aren't healthy for church, but like that's what I'm speaking right now. Jesus would have been speaking in Aramaic, and in Aramaic, Jesus would have been saying, like, hey, you're, you can't serve Yahweh, the one true God, and Mamona. Mamona points to an evil demon or God or to worship money and possessions as if you are worshiping an evil demon or God. 
that, that's a whole other conversation. He, he, he's, he's not just saying like, hey, money is this or God. is like there, there's a whole other spiritual realm that you're going to start worshiping and focusing on if your heart is in anything or anyone else's hands except for mine, Jesus's. Now, I'm confident. I'm, I'm so confident I can go out on this limb that just about everybody, there's always going to be one or two, but just about everybody in this room, you're not openly choosing to, like, you know, give your heart to an evil demon, right? I, let's just assume, like, we shouldn't assume, but I'm going to, that, like, most of us aren't waking up in the morning with our fresh cup of joe and our Folgers or our Starbucks and be like, you know what, today's a good day. I'm just going to worship that evil, evil demon. You know, that's what I'm going to do, right? Like, most of us don't go there, right? Right? We don't just, we don't do that. But dang, like if we can just be real, like doesn't it feel like sometimes there's a, there's a different type of battle going on within us? Or sometimes like let's just go there, like that our bank accounts or portfolios or Capital One or Sally Mae, man, they like got us right where they want us. And there's this tension in, in like our peace in our finances, right? Like, like, like w- w- would maybe, maybe say it this way, would you be surprised to find out that, that the, at the root of almost all worries and fears and frustrations and doubts, like would it surprise you to find out that at the root of all of those is almost always a financial issue? Could it be that Jesus... Is trying to give us like a heads up. Just trying to give us a heads up. One of the most common things like I hear from students coming out of high school is I wish they would have taught me about credit cards. Because <laughs> you jump right into whatever's next after high school and you just rack up all sorts of credit card debt, then you're painted off for the rest of your life, right? Like, like I wish somebody would have, well, the enemy got you. He's done a really good job. I'm not saying all credit cards are bad. Don't, don't twist my words. I wonder if Jesus n- knew something that we would be struggling with. That, that, like he's trying to like, you know, he's trying to like do us a solid as his friends. He says, no longer do I call you, you know, uh, slaves. I call you my friends. Right? John 15. Towards the bottom. As his friends, he's like, hey, man, I want to do you a solid like. There's, you're going to have some temptations. You're going to be tempted to give your heart to Mamona, to take your heart out of my hands and put it into the heart and the hands of Mamona. Like, and, and he's trying to say, like, it's going to be one or the other. It's, go, it's just going to be. His words, not mine. And you can't serve both. Wherever you decide to put your heart, that's who's going to reign over our lives, right? 
And, and, and as we read the scriptures and as we walk with Jesus and go on this journey, we know that, that if our heart is in his hands, as we journey with him, man, that path of life leads to, like, man, abundance and peace and, and grace and forgiveness and love and walking in truth and mercy. It's, it's this beautiful walk with him. And the other path leads to, like, destruction and decay and deterioration and doubt and fear and frustration and disappointment. Like, where is your heart? Right now, if you resonated with one of those lists or the other, if you got a little more of one than the other, like maybe there's a, maybe there's a little warning light on the dashboard that we should pay attention to that most often we ignore. Where's your heart? Is our heart invested into the things that, that can't be stolen? Is our heart invested into things that can't be used up? That, 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 is our heart invested into things that won't rust, that won't fade away? Or are they invested into things that are just going to end up at Rumpke in 30 years? See, if we're not careful, the things we own end up owning us. Friends, Jesus is having one of those like line in the, in the sand moments. It's this beautiful text full of like invitation and challenge. He's just such a good shepherd. He's like, I'm going to say this tough thing and I'm going to invite you into it. See, if we don't invest our hearts into him and store our treasures in him and in his kingdom, if we don't fix our eye on him and serve him al alone, then who are we serving? Because here's what I've learned. Like, like what we treasure the most controls us the most. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And Jesus calls us to, you know, love God and love neighbor, you know, with, you know, with everything we got, right? It, it gets really hard to selflessly love others when our hearts are enslaved to a selfish pursuit of the accumulation of more. We never wake up one day and be like, well, I'm going to choose. It's a slippery, slow fade. That when we place our heart into the hands of Momona, our heart will start to be a little damaged. It'll start to get darkened. It'll start to get a little fearful. And slowly, over time, friends, we will start to lose faith. I want to invite us in to just a moment with Jesus between you and him, you and the spirit, to just be vulnerable. This is not a turn to your neighbor moment. <laughs> just between you and Jesus, a little vulnerability. There's this author, theologian, incredible writer. You may know him. He wrote some books about a, a lion and a witch in a wardrobe or 
he, he wrote some things about screw tapes and letters, and he, he wrote some really incredible, beautiful things. His name's C.S. Lewis. He said this about our hearts and vulnerability. He said, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping your heart intact, you must give your heart to no one. Wrap it carefully round hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But, 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 but in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, your heart will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The only place outside of heaven where you can perfectly be safe from all the dangers of love is hell. Thanks, CS. <laughs> Thanks. So between you and Jesus, in that spirit of vulnerability, where is your heart? Have you placed your heart somewhere other than in the hands of King Jesus? Maybe over time or a series of events or circumstances, you, you, you maybe just started to wall off your heart and you, you, you placed it somewhere else. Maybe, maybe at your job. You know, you, you kind of just checked out. You used to love what you do. There was wonder in your eyes. You used to love what you do. It, it, it was filled with excitement and opportunity. And, 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 and then something changed. Something happens. You, you, you saw an ugly underbelly of an, of an organization or, or a coworker or a boss. Maybe there was a lack of integrity or, or compromise, or like, or, and 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 so over time, like you, slowly, you just kind of pull your heart out of it, and it goes somewhere else. Or maybe in your marriage, you know, if you're in a marriage, like man, it, uh, like if you think back, like it used to be magical, right? Like, man, it used to be magical, right? You'd come home from work and your spouse would be waiting at the door with, like, the martini and your slippers, you know? Like, it was magical. Right? That don't happen in your house? That's, that's every day for me. That's a lie. The pastor just lied. 
Maybe for you, marriage was magical for a while, and then a kid or two and 35 pounds later, like, things have changed. Gravity has shifted. Maybe some things along the way, like, there's been some repeated disappointment over and over, and so you, now you just plan to be disappointed. Trust starts to just be broken. And the person that you used to think about, like, nonstop, right, the person that you would die for has become more like a, like a live-in roommate. And slowly over time, your heart is walled off, not available, not in it, and you place it somewhere else. Or maybe, maybe for you it's school, right? You know, I, I love the number of students that, that like, are just a part of this ministry. And maybe for you, like, you're a student and, man, you used to love science. Like science was your thing, man, and you just loved it. And, 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 but now you dread going to class. Your grades have declined, and it's not because the teacher changed or, or your love for science has changed. It's something else happened, something different, something in that class. Somebody said something that damaged your heart. Someone repeatedly is bullying you, and, and, and you, you don't tell anyone because, you know, you want to be strong. And so you just take it, and you take it, and you take it until you take it out on yourself. And the light that used to radiate from you is now nothing more than just a faint glow. And slowly, over time, you've removed your heart from all of it and from everyone. Maybe, maybe some, of, some of us have done this with God. Our relationship with him used to be so beautiful. You can think about it and like it used to truly be freely and lightly walking with him in the cool of the morning. And and, and your prayers used to be just bold. And your hands would be raised in praise. And, and when you would read his word, it just like the words jumped off the page to you. And then something happens. Maybe a loved one died. Or someone left. And they didn't come back. Or decisions were made. Or your world just got turned upside down. And, and, and suddenly his voice, like you can't even hear it anymore. And, and, and his words, they're just stale. And, and, and your prayer life is just like I can't even like, utter words anymore. And, and like you want to believe, but the fight to keep believing just isn't there anymore. And slowly over time... You have removed your heart from his hands. And like C.S. said, when we place our heart anywhere but in the hands of King Jesus, we are placing it 
in a coffin. I was going to ask you if I could be super vulnerable, but I'm just going to. I want to confess. To this family. And to do that, I, I want you to. I want you to check out this video from our archives. See, God has placed a calling on my life. I know that. He has purposed me to be used by him to advance the kingdom of God on earth for as long as I'm alive. This past year or so, I have felt like it is time to step back in to full-time ministry. And I know in my heart that he's calling me to lead his bride, the church, again. But I don't want to. I don't want to because of the sacrifice that I know it takes. The toll it takes on my family. Potentially moving. I don't want to move. I like my house. Potentially being away from family and friends. And then I start feeling convicted by the Holy Spirit and I start thinking about conveniences and comforts. And if I'm being honest about being complacent. So here, before all of you, this is my first sermon since my wife and I decided I'm, I'm going all in for ministry again. And I confess, hey, I'll take it. I confess for too long that I have not been going all in, that I have been playing it safe. And shame on me for that. That video was from uh, October of 2019. Y'all remember 2019? <laughs> I, I, I was asked to come here to be a guest speaker. Uh, at, a, at a weekend guys event, and then I was asked to, to, to preach God's word uh, that same weekend. And something happened that day. Some of you were there. Like, something happened that day. I, 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 I don't know. I do know what it is. It's just we don't talk about the spirit a lot. There was a move of the spirit that day. It, it, it was crazy. And I, and I mean some, some weird stuff happened. If you know, you know. Like, there were people, like, talking to other people, saying some crazy things. Like, that guy, that stranger, that's our next pastor. I was just a guest speaker. Like, I, 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 there was no creation of a resume or filling out an application. Like, 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 right, like I was standing right outside these doors just outside of Harbortown and, and, and with David Vaughn, the, the former pastor, and, and he's shaking my hand afterwards after second service, and he's like, oh, well, son, he, uh, he has a southern drawl, and so I make it real thick when I do his voice, right? And so, except now it sounds like Elvis. Um, <laughs> I, I can't do David Vaughn. And so... Like he said, I, I don't know if you know this or not, but we're looking for, to find my successor, and maybe you should throw your hat in the ring. I said, you crazy. Thank you so much, sir. I'm going to La Rosa's, right? <laughs> 
But, but friends, I heard these, these crazy stories from you. Like, like one lady, she found me in Meyer like a year later from that teaching. And, and I was just looking at some pork chops and she comes up to me. And if you're here, come say hi because I, I want to say thank you. Like she came up to me and she was like, hey, uh, you're never going to believe this. But after you spoke, I, I, I was in the bathroom, that bathroom right there. I was in the bathroom and I stopped some other lady in the bathroom. And I said, that's weird. Why are you talking to people in the bathroom when they're just trying to do the business? And she said, I, I told this lady in the bathroom, like that, that John guy, like God just told me, I know that sounds weird, but God just told me that that's our next senior pastor. That's crazy. October of 2019, I was on fire for Jesus. Like sold out for his kingdom mission and, and there was nothing and no one that was going to stop me from revealing his kingdom wherever I was, right? My heart was firmly rooted in the hands of King Jesus. And friends, I hardly recognize that guy. And it's not because like that guy has a beautiful brown beard. And there's no white in his beard. It's not because that guy doesn't need glasses to read. That, that, that guy just, just seems so distant from who I've become three years and five months later. And, and let's not twist things like, oh, my gosh, we're having a crisis with my pastor. No, uh, my heart for Jesus has not changed. He is my Lord, leader, and Savior. Amen. Like, he's still my king, right? I still know there is a calling on my life to preach the gospel and advance and reveal his kingdom wherever I am and be a leader in his church, right? I just think that I have a hard time recognizing that guy because somewhere along the way, slowly over time, through a pandemic, through political and racial and social unrest, through, through the passing of a baton from, from a guy who dedicated his whole life to, to serving the church, to a guy who like spent most of his life rebelling against the church, to, 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 like, to changing of strategies and org charts and financial downfalls and, and restructuring from a 2,000-member church to a 1,200-member church, to, to grieving with multiple families as we lost loved ones too soon to, to the late night phone calls of talking to kids and trying to get them not to kill themselves. To people leaving the family without saying a word. To people just being mean. Somewhere along the way, like, like uh, Pastor Albert Tate, he said it this way, like, we're called to be shepherds of sheep. But somewhere along the way, we find out that the sheep bite. And so, friends, since this, uh, <laughs> since this whole relationship started with a confession... I want to confess as your pastor. Over the last three and a half years, somewhere along the way, I have pulled my heart 
from Jesus' hands. And I've kind of walled it off in protection. And I've placed it in the hands of quarterly financial reports and attendance numbers and critical emails and governance and whether I'm good enough. And all those things are beautiful and, and, and necessary and good in and of themselves, but they just don't make good caretakers of a heart. My friend Travis, he came up to me after we were running through the service this morning. And he said, John, I saw that. He said, I thought we lost you. He said, thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for putting your heart back in it. I said, I just have to be real with the people I'm asking to be real. The old boy is right. See, Friends, our value and our worth and our identity and our focus and our resources, like if they're in the hands of anything other than King Jesus, they're not in a healthy place. Because wherever your heart is, that's what you will focus on. That's what you will treasure. <laughs> it's all of us. If we start pursuing and treasuring and focusing on, on the unhealthy things, anything other than King Jesus and his kingdom, like then, then over time, those things that we're pursuing will slowly start to damage and darken our hearts. That obscure verse back in Matthew 6, 22, right, when he says, like, your eye is the lamp for your body, like, like Jesus is trying to tell us, like, when we take our eyes off of Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, our hearts will slowly start to relocate. Maybe it's time for all of us if we just reclaim our hearts, right? If we reclaim our hearts by readjusting our focus, maybe, like, I don't know about you, right? I don't know what your thing is and where your heart may be, but, but I, like this past week, man, I got my butt handed to me by the Holy Spirit. I had a Holy Spirit wake-up call, come to Jesus. That's how they say it down south, right? We're going we gonna to have a come to Jesus right now. About to learn you something, boy. Right? So we, I, I, I was away, and, and I, got, I got my heart and my head handed to me by King Jesus. And friends, I'm reclaiming my heart, and I invite you to reclaim your heart too. Like, let's not put our hearts inside a coffin, right? Let's put them back in the hands of the king, right? Amen. Because I, here's, here's, I don't know a lot, but here's what I do know. Because in his hands, our hearts will be safe and our hearts will be protected. In his hands. Our hearts will be strengthened and our hearts will be empowered and encouraged in his hands. Our hearts will be set afire and ablaze again for his good and for his glory and for his kingdom and for his kingdom to re be revealed on earth. I don't know where your heart is. 
But I do know that we have a heart problem. And if we're not careful, our hearts will relocate. I don't know where your treasure is. I don't know where your focus is. I just want to encourage you to place your heart and keep your heart in his hands and invest your heart and invest your treasure into his kingdom mission because he's inviting every single one of us to refocus and realign our hearts for him and for his kingdom mission to bring heaven to earth, right? To make down here look like up there right now. To seek and save the lost. These are his words, not mine. To elevate and empower the next generation. To bring good news to the poor. To give sight to the blind. To set the oppressed free. To bring freedom to the prisoner. To feed the hungry. To care for the orphan and the widow. To clothe those in need. To visit those who are imprisoned. To go and make disciples of all nations. To bring healing to the sick. And to offer refuge to the refugee. To care for the least lost and the lonely. This is his kingdom mission. This is what he has invited us into. This is what he longs for for our hearts to be in his hands and invested into his mission. Let's pray. Jesus, our hearts are yours, but we are sorry when we try to take them out of your hands. Jesus, I will lead the way and I will confess and repent and turn, reorder, realign my heart so that it is in your hands and nowhere else. I thank you for your grace and for your mercy. Father, I ask that you right now use your Holy Spirit to renew our minds and restore our hearts, to stir in us, to do a holy examination of the condition of our heart. Prompt us now to reorder, to confess to you that we need a realignment of our heart. Right now, Father, right now, Father. Holy Spirit, move. Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, help us place our hearts back in your hands. We don't want them to be in a coffin. Father, have your way. in your name that we pray. Amen. Friends, I'm going to invite you right now to confess, to reorder. We're going to sing a song and you can stand if you want. You can kneel if you want. You can come forward if you want. To just say, Father, I need to put my heart back into your hands. I've allowed my heart to drift. I'm putting it back into your hands. Friends, I invite you 
to use this time wisely as your own come to Jesus moment. Let's come together as a family of faith and reorder our hearts.